With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. From roommates to co-hosts, this is The Back Check with Brendan Azoff and Stefan Rosner, your go-to destination for New York hockey and NHL news. And now it's time to drop the puck. Here are your hosts, Brendan Azoff and Stefan Rosner. Welcome to episode 10 of the Back Check, everybody. I'm Brendan Azoff. With me, as always, is Stefan Rosner. And we got an action-packed show today because we are diving into the Rangers and Islanders, one of the best rivalries in all of hockey. I am in Florida right now, so I am not in my usual location. We are doing something we have not done on this show's history, where we are in two different states now, two different locations. Mine is a little bit warmer than yours, Stefan, so sorry if I'm making you jealous. Just a little bit. Only a tad, only a tad. I'm not jealous at all. Not that you like to go to a Panthers game this week or the sun shining. Not, not at all. Now tomorrow I'm going to my first live hockey game since March of 2020, which is just kind of crazy to me. But I will be going to a Panthers Red Wings game, so couldn't have picked a better matchup to watch. No, but a better matchup to talk about is the Islanders versus the Rangers. But both teams are winning now. Yes, the Rangers are on a two-game win streak. The Islanders on. Saturday night snapped a five-game losing streak when they beat the Penguins four to three. Late goal by Anders Lee was big. Depth scoring was a key part of that. But Brendan, you know, both teams are at the bottom of the standings. That every team that's not in the playoffs right now is tied with ten points. Yeah, I mean, this league is so close, especially this division. It, it's kind of crazy. You look at the standings. Okay, the Islanders were on a five-game losing streak. Yet after the win yesterday, they are a point out of the fourth spot. Except the Sabres, the Devils, and the Rangers all have 10 points as well. So these games are going to start to be real big playoff games. And that, you know, does that impact how these games are played? Well, it's kind of panning out the way that we envisioned it would, right? Where you have those top three teams, where you have the Capitals, the Flyers, and the Bruins. And those three teams are going to be the three that are going to be on the top, it looks like, the whole entire way. And that fourth spot is what we initially thought would be up for the grabs. I know that we both picked the Islanders to be there. Uh, the Penguins don't look bad. I mean, I know they lost to the Islanders last night. Good, gritty win for that group. But 
they don't look bad, especially with the amount of injuries they have at the back end. And then you look at the Rangers, who, after an abysmal start, are now kind of rejuvenated after this whole D'Angelo incident. So it's going to be a legitimate four-team race for that final spot. So what have you seen from the Rangers over these last two games? Is it just a morale in the locker room with the you know whole issue with Tony D'Angelo going away? Is it they're just focusing on the little things? What's the reason that the Rangers have been winning? Morale is definitely boosted, but I think that also comes anytime you can get a gritty win like they did against the Penguins the other night, and that'll just send your team on a good good way because they were every single game they played the Penguins. They were first three games, one goal games, and they had the lead in each of them. And anytime you lose one of those, it's demoralizing, let alone three of them against the same opponent. So I think the fact that they were finally able to put those demons aside, beat the Penguins, it, it was a great victory. It was huge for them. They're 3-0-1 in their last four. Shesterkin's won his last three starts. He looks like the Shesterkin we saw last season, which is a dangerous thing for the rest of the league. We saw what he could do when he gets hot. Igor Shesterkin is one of those goalies that is extremely streaky, and when he is locked in, it's really hard to beat him. So, listen, it's a very good group. They're playing a defensive structure that I haven't seen since the Tortorella days. And I think that even though we look at this team and say there's a lot of question marks on defense, the team camaraderie coming back in their own end and the willingness by the forward group to help out, they're really only giving up, I think, 27 shots a game. They're in the top 10 in that. They're only giving up under 2.7 goals per game. This, this is a team that's really playing well defensively, and I think that that's going to go a long way as this young group starts to mature offensively. We talk about it the whole time. The Rangers could easily already be in a top four spot. They just lost the close game, and the good team find a way to win. And I'm not saying the Rangers aren't a good team, but again, they're young. But the, the the greatest thing we see from this team is the young guys on defense are their best players. You know, you can talk about how good Panarin is, how good Kapo's is going to be, Kreider, you know, Zabanajad. No, the best players will come from your back, and it's your young guys leading the way. In a game against the Islanders and Rangers, where that's a big rivalry game, you have to rely, though, a little more on your veterans in a game like that. I, I look right towards Mika Zabanajad as somebody that has to break through. And the last game, he was probably his best game of the season all around. He was active offensively, very good defensively, won a couple of key draws. And then at the end of the game, he had a chance to shoot towards the open net. And as somebody that only has one goal in the season, he desperately needs a goal. He elected to pass off to his teammate, Pavel Buchnevich, and Buchnevich scored. They win the game 4-2, to two, and after that goal goes in, the amount of emotion on Buchnevich's face where he's just pointing at him, he's like, that's awesome, thank you for passing. You can see how much it meant to him that he deferred to him, especially in the state that Zibanejad's in right now. So really just a cool thing to see, and I feel like that's the type of moment that could lift somebody. I could say, okay, look what I just did. Look how happy that made him. Now it's my turn to go get. So Banajad's the guy that has to be a difference maker come tonight against the Islanders. Yeah, so, I mean, in the in the win on Saturday, the Islanders had a game plan. They're going against Jari, who's been absolutely terrible. They were going to shoot everything. They had 26 shots on goal. They found a way to score four, which is important. They came through on the power play, which has been terrible all year. The Islanders now, and that was Varlamo's 500th NHL game. You have to take the momentum from a gritty win. It wasn't good. They had a lot of defensive breakdowns. I'll call out Mayfield. He struggled Saturday. Of bad turnovers. They just they've lost their men in their own zone, which is something we don't want to see under Trotz, and we haven't seen in the past. But going into the game against the Rangers, I think the Islanders have to play the same way. Get shots on goal. Whoever may be in goal, Shosturkin or Georgiev. Georgiev has the Islanders number, Brendan, but based on the way Shosturkin's played, you have to say they're going with him, right? I. All right. So this is tough. Because yeah. I put an article out there about Chesterkin's play for the hockey writers. It's very evident that this is a much better team 
Munchester is in goal. Yeah. The only thing is, like you said, Georgiev has a history against the Islanders where his numbers are really good, and they're really good, and he's always played well against them. You, you mentioned that they're one and one this season, right? I mean, the one win was a Georgiev shutout. Other than that game, he's looked terrible. Um, there's no other way to say it. He has not looked like the Georgiev we know, and sure, it's a short training camp, so I think that that is a big factor in that. But to me, when you see how they've played in the last three starts that just Sturkins had, you see how well they seem to be playing defensively around him, how well he looks, how crisp he looks. Four days off, no reason to not go back to Shesterkin here and just ride him. Ride him. Not only does that send the message to Shesterkin that we trust you when you're our number one, but it also sends the message to Georgiev that he has to earn his playing time. That's a perfect answer. I mean, the thing I'm thinking about is the Islanders are off. The last game they played was last Sunday before playing Saturday. Two games against Buffalo Sabres postponed. The last game they played was Sorokin's best he's played this whole year. He looked, you saw glimpses of greatness. And the game before that against the uh, Capitals, Varlamov, worst game this season. But they go back to Varlamov last night. Now, I don't think his followers in the NHL game played a part. I don't think Trotz really, I Trotz cares about that. But in the end of the day, you're trying to win hockey games. The fact they went with Varlamov over the young rookie Sorokin shows you have the confidence of this guy to end a streak. And the fact that he won it and he denied, he stopped 28 of 31. And he made some big key saves. He bailed the Islanders out. I think you must go back to him against the Rangers. You saw what he did on opening night. Not that the Rangers played well at all, but he turned aside everything. And the next game after, we know what happened with Sorokin. So I think right now, the Islanders are in a spot where everything they did yesterday, they should remain the same. Dow Cole played on the second line. was brilliant. Picked up, I think, an assist or two, and he was just great. I believe he scored two goals. That line worked. Worked hard. I think you got to go back to Varlamov. No questions asked. Well, both teams are 10 games into their season now, right? I think you're getting to the point where these coaches staff, coaching staff, excuse me, have to look and say, all right, this is the lineup that works best. Let's give it a chance here to ride out. I mean, both Quinn and Trotz make changes. That's part of their mantra. That's part of their game. If you don't have a good game, we'll take you out. We have depth and they want to utilize that depth. But it comes to a point too where camaraderie and, and some chemistry is needed. So I think that when you look at the Islanders, Barlamov has to be in goal. There's really no question about that. The way he played opening night against the Rangers, he was in their head. And I think that the Islanders collectively as a unit play much better defensively when he's in net. And it's not a knock on Sorokin at all right now. He's just so young that some of the shots that go in, I think the Islanders expect Varlamov to make those saves, and it's a different type of feel. So just like the Rangers should ride Shesterkin, same could be said for the Islanders in regards to Varlamov. And you look back to that opening night of the season, that was the Islanders' best game of the year, not even a question asked, and the game after that was their worst. You could say the Capitals won with 3-0 lead and losing 6-3 is pretty bad, but the Islanders were flat-out terrible in that game. So do you expect a much tighter game tomorrow? I feel like both teams have their legs and that tomorrow should be one of those playoff Ranger Islander atmosphere-type games. It definitely has the making of something that should be a tight, tight game the whole way through. And the reason I'm saying that is because we saw the first two games how lopsided each was. Both teams don't want that this time. The Rangers have four days off, so I feel like they might come out a little more tight because they might not have their legs under them right away. You know, anytime you take that long of a break, sometimes the team could look flat, especially a young team. The Islanders just had a grinding game, so I expect it to be a defensive-style game. And the way that the Rangers and Islanders are playing this season, most of their games are going to be that defensive hockey. The Rangers have played in a lot of 3-2 games. I could definitely see that playing out tonight. So both these teams, like we said, they're both – Four, four, and two. I, every the Sabers are in last place at four, four, and two. The Rangers are in seventh at four, four, and two. The Islanders are in sixth at four, four, and two. 
and the Devils are in fifth at four, three, and two. So you look at this game, and it's it's a, it's a big game. But let's go into the stats comparing each team. So right now, the Rangers are scoring two point nine goals per game. Islanders are at two point three. There's a big difference there. We know how good the Rangers' offense is. The Rangers, it's the Rangers have an extremely talented offensive group. That group right now is without Philip Edel, who was their best offensive player, in my opinion, not named Buchnevich to start the season, and Colin Blackwell, who was otherworldly coming into the lineup. This team needs that big name in Zabanajad, big name in Kreider. Panarin has to continue what he's doing, and they're going to keep scoring. Somebody like an Alexei Lafreniere, right? He hasn't played selfish enough. He hasn't driven the net hard enough. He hasn't done any of that stuff that you expect him to do. And I think part of that is he hasn't played hockey in a long time, right? We forget that the last time he played was juniors. He had a whole COVID break. They didn't let him go to world juniors. So it's, it's a tough dynamic for him to come into the NHL and have to produce right away after not playing for seven plus months. If he can start contributing the same way we've seen Kako contribute, where it's not on the score sheet every night, but they're doing the little things correctly. Kako looks very good this year. I think this Rangers group becomes one of the harder teams to play against in the league. They've already proven that it's harder to score this year than it was the previous years. They've already proven that their ability to play in one goal games against whoever the competition is. They're right there. They're on the brink of being a team that's going to take that step. And if those guys start contributing, they can take that step. And for the Islanders sake, if that happens against them, it's going to be very hard to beat the Rangers. But the same can be said about the Islanders team who outside of Barzal really hasn't had that secondary scoring yet. If they start to get that secondary scoring, they too become one of the hardest teams to beat in the National Hockey League. Yeah, so on Saturday night, the Islanders did get depth scoring. They had their first line, Anders Lee got the game winner late in the third. Clutterbuck tied it. That was the first goal from the fourth line this season. And the second line saw Jordan Eberle get two goals. So if they could bring their depth scoring from that game into the game tomorrow, they'll be fine. The problem is We've only seen that once this whole year where depth scoring has been a major part. I believe he's got more goals on the season, but that came when he was on the top line. So I think it's important, even with the Islanders averaging just 2.30 goals per game. If they can do what they did Saturday night, they'll definitely get a point, and that's, that's big enough now. But for defense, you know, we talk about how the Islanders' defense is so good. They're allowing 2.7 goals against per game. But the Rangers are also allowing 2.7 goals per game. And I think that's – I don't know which is more surprising, how many, how much more the Islanders are allowing based on last year in their playoff performance or that the Rangers' defense has been as good. I think the more surprising thing is how stout the Rangers' defense has actually been overall, especially as a team, because you look at Jack Johnson's played four games, right? So the fact that they're only giving up 2.7 goals per game and he's played in those games is mind-boggling to say the least. The Islanders' 2.7 is – skewed because it's only 10 games into the season i think over a full 56 games that evens out and it, it drops a little bit and 2.7 is still not a lot so the fact that we're even saying oh 2.7 is an increase shows how good defensively they really are uh, so i think the more surprising number there is the rangers but the islanders we know right even last night uh even on saturday night they gave up three so they haven't been as stout they've given up some softies they've given up some cross crease passes you usually don't see there's a couple of entrances into their zone that are more accessible now for the opposition and if the rangers who are a young and fast team can take advantage of some of those transition plays we saw what they did in that five nothing win i think that that gives them a little confidence going in but i do not expect this game to be five nothing rangers or four nothing islanders i expect it to be one of those classic down to the 20 seconds left in the third who's going to get that last chance so 
in the two meetings this season, the Rangers have seen 11 power play opportunities and have scored once. And the Islanders have seen the Islanders have seen 12 and have only scored twice on the season. Though the Rangers power play has been abysmal, 14.6 percent. And for an Islanders power play, it's been downright terrible. When they were on their five game skid, I think they were. They were two for 18 on their five-game skid. They did score a big one yesterday, but what do you see from the Rangers' power play, and how has it been over the last two games? That is the most misleading stat in hockey, the most misleading stat. If you pull up any of the advanced analytics of any player on that power play unit, they're all positive, and it is the most shocking thing that they're at 14% because of how good they are, and you're going to see it. If the Islanders give them any type of power play, that first unit, second unit's terrible. The first unit, unreal. You can't touch the puck from them. Okay, Adam Fox at the point, you can't take the puck from. Then he's dishing it to Panarin or Zabanajad, Buchnevich, and Kreider right now. That unit has not scored. I think they scored in their last game against the Capitals. But outside of that, it's been really iffy. But they're getting chance after chance after chance, and they're just snake bit. But that is a very unreal unit. So, yes, it's 14.6%, not good. But what do they have to change? Absolutely nothing. They just have to finish their chances. I mean, that makes sense. That's that's how you score in the NHL. But you look you look at the Islanders and they get one power. They do not take. They do not give the Penguins one penalty. Sezikis and Matheson both went off for interference on a very very weird play. But the Islanders were disciplined. You know, maybe Barzal in a big game would take a penalty, but he did not. And it was great to see because it allowed the Islanders to focus on their game. And then they came through on the power play, but they kept it simple. They made passes. They got pucks to the net. They let Pulak take a ripper that Jari probably wants back but Lee's parked in front and buries it. So if the Islanders could do what they did on the power play Saturday, bring that in. So Brendan, when you talk about stats and you said, you know, stats are skewed there, we can't focus on what they did. It's about what they do going forward. Everyone's on an even playing field in the bottom four of this division right now. So for a Rangers team, they don't look at that. It's at, oh, we're at 14%. It's we're very good. We're just not scoring. So do you think when the power play finally does score, it's going to come in, in, in bunches because they just have to find that one way. Okay. This pass is how we're going to do it. And then work up from there. Yeah. Listen, they, I think they scored against the capitals. It was a pretty nice goal, pretty big goal. So they're starting to get into a rhythm where we have to remember that Tony D'Angelo was on this unit, right? Adam Fox was not on this unit to start the year. He came in for a game, looked very good and has kind of run with his opportunity there. But they've had Strom on it. They had Buchnevich on it. They had Kreider on it. They've been rotating it. So it hasn't been set in stone to the last couple of games. And even when it's been rotated through, they still are dominating the opposition in terms of possession. It's not like they're one and done and they're getting cleared. They're holding the puck for a minute and a half, and they just can't finish. So legitimately, they're on the precipice of scoring. It's just a question of, can they finally get it past the goalie or beat a post? Right? I mean, that's been the issue so far. If they score against the Islanders and they start to get on a roll where it's you know consecutive games with a power play goal, it, this power play, you're, I'm not even exaggerating, you're going to watch it jump from 14 to 20% in a heartbeat. Well, you talk about possession, and something the Islanders do a lot better than the Rainers do is win face-offs. Yeah. The Islanders are now are, are third in the NHL, obviously, that – they can change. They're at 55.1%. But the Rangers are all the way down at 41.8%. The Islanders have had one game this whole entire season that they've lost the face-off game. Now, it doesn't mean they've won the games. It doesn't mean anything if you don't do anything off the face-offs. But I think the biggest thing is the defensive face-off wins. Because if you do that, obviously, you're not allowing the offense. So 
Do you think the Rangers are at a major disadvantage when it comes to playing the honors in the faceoff die? And does that you think that's going to have a major impact on on tonight's game? It will impact it. I mean, there's no if, ends, or buts about it. The, the question is, can the Rangers do what they did against the Penguins and Capitals where they're going to lose the majority of the draws, and that's just a given at this point. Can they get cooperated defensively and, and say, hey, we're going to pack it in here? Or the thing that I look for is, and, and I think everyone remembers this, 2014 Rangers-Capitals Game 7, right? The Rangers won the faceoff, led to a goal, Game 7, winner by Derek Stepan. I think every single Rangers fan remembers that moment, brings a smile to our face, right? That's a great time to be a Rangers fan. That team, terrible on faceoffs too. But what they did was they started to realize that, guess where the puck's going to go after each draw? Back to the defense. And they started running set plays where they would pickpocket that defense and control the puck without controlling the draws. This team has to start doing something like that. The wingers, instead of going towards the defensive side of the puck, make a beeline towards their defense. Because guess what? Odds are the puck's going there. <laughs> they're not winning anything. They said they're 42%. They are at 41.8. Yes, 42. It's terrible. No, it's, <laughs> it's terrible. It's, they it's they had a couple of games. They beat Pittsburgh, and I think they were 26% on the draws. Yeah, I, as, a, as an Islander fan and covering the team, if they ever had a game like that, Barry Trotz might put them on the rink and make them do some uh, some miracle sprints with the whistle. Because I mean, at the end of the day, though, you have to you have to win faceoffs to win this league. Not even offensive zone face uh, some offensive zone faceoffs. You're a defensive zone. You win a defensive zone faceoff. It's a lot less pressure on your goaltender right off the bat and point shots. We see the Islanders' defense getting heavily involved in their offense now. You saw it on the power play. You've seen Dobson getting shots. Everyone's trying to get shots. If Islanders could win the majority of faceoffs against the Rangers and have their defense firing. We know the Rangers goalies are, are solid goalies, but at the end of the day, we've seen some weak ones go in, whether it be screens and corner rebounds. And the Islanders are not a team that score often. They have to p- make that for themselves. So if Anders could park himself in front or Matt Martin could park himself in front, it'll make life a lot difficult. But if the Islanders don't win those offensive zone draws, you're back to square one and the Rangers break out. And the Rangers are a fast team and the Islanders aren't. Did you watch the Rangers-Capitals game? Yes. Did you see Ovi's goal, the second goal for the Capitals? Yes, I did. All right, that's how the Islanders can beat the Rangers. That simple. Tie up off the draw, puck gets won. Next thing you know, it's in the back of the Rangers' net, right? It's those little things, and that was Mika Zibanejad on that draw, who's he usually is one of their better face-off men. I think this year the best is Brett Howden. So they put him out there on the second power play unit and some big penalty kill situations to win draws, but even he has game for He just looks lost in the circle. So yeah. the Islanders... And I can guarantee you Barry Trotz right now is sitting with a whiteboard somewhere, putting his glasses up on his face with the short little arms. And he's saying, I'm drawing up these amazing face-off plays. Because for a team that can't score, if you know you're going to win 60% of the draws, say, in that game, that's six out of ten draws in the offensive zone, basically, that you are going to control and have a chance to put a shot on goal and get some offensive production. That's something they don't have against the majority of other teams in this league. And as for the Rangers' standpoint, they're doing the exact opposite. They're saying, when we lose this draw, how can we get into a structure that could push us back towards the offensive side and get possession? Because strangely enough, they're a positive Corsi team without winning any of these draws, which means that they do steal the puck and control it for the majority of the game. It just means that they learned how to win faces, they'd be such a better hockey team. I, I think I said this a couple of weeks ago. If they could win over 50% of their draws, they'd be the best team in the NHL. 
and that just allow for their offense to be more of an of an impact. We know their offense is good, but if you're winning more of your draws, you're getting the puck to your forwards, and they can make make things. But I think what the Islanders do well, I'm not sure if the Rangers do this, is that at times they have two centers on the rink. So Pajot might get a shift with Tzizikis, or Pajot might get a shift with Brock Nelson. Lee takes draws with Barzal. They have guys on each on each line that could fill in if one of them gets thrown out. Lee takes a, a, a bunch of face-offs when Barzal, you know, in, in big moments. So I think the Rangers, if they could get guys that could be like, okay, a go-to face-off man, because the Islanders, it's not just their four centers getting the job done. There are wingers coming in. There are guys double-shifting at times to win these big draws. <laughs> the Rangers can't put two centers on the ice because they don't have one. <laughs> they don't have one guy they trust to win a face-off. You can't put two out there. But th- th- to me, the funniest part of all this is that Capo Caco has been asked to take a face-off when his centerman got thrown out, and he's won it. And Alexei Lafreniere got asked to take a face-off, and he won it. So I think they're both 100% on the season. Maybe let them take face-offs. When, when you think about a center, right? There's yeah. two things you think of. It's quick hands and the ability to get body position. The two of them don't have that body position ability yet, but they do have good hands. And if they could read that puck drop, they're going to win the draw. That's the making of a good center iceman. So maybe maybe when Edel comes back, if he's still struggling, put a kid line together of Kako, Lafreniere, and Edel. Edel can play the wing and put either Kako or Lafreniere at center and just see what it does. Right? You don't have anything to lose. Well, isn't the center position the hardest to develop at the NHL level? That's why you see a lot of guys move from the center to the wing. The center position is the hardest because of the immense defensive responsibility that comes with it. you you got to play 200 feet. But just because you're taking the faceoff doesn't mean you're the center, right? If Edel's, Edel 1 has a career 38% on the faceoffs, terrible. If he can't win faceoffs, let Lafreniere try to take it, and then he goes back to his wing spot. All he's doing is taking the draw. You're not asking him to have that defensive responsibility because Edel has done a phenomenal job with that so far. So, Edel, you're our center, but you're not going to take faceoffs. I mean, positions really are just labels. Collectively, you got to play defense as a unit. So if you come in from the wing, help out on the draw, and then all of a sudden you're the defender, you're back in the center spot, fine. So I think that's the best way. Yeah, so let's let's wrap this up. Brennan, pick one Rangers player you think is going to have a standout game if the Rangers are to win this one. If the Rangers are going to win, it's Mika Zibanejad. I think he has to break through. I could see Kreider scoring, but he scored as of late. Strom scored as of late. Panarin's too obvious of a choice. <laughs> Panarin's just an absolute animal. Um, so I'm going to go with Mika Zibanejad because I'm not entirely sure who's starting in goal yet. So I think that if Mika Zibanejad scores in the game against the Islanders, the Rangers win. As much as Barzal got a night off from the from scoring and, you know, being the go-to guy the whole time, I think, you know, after we saw from game one of the season and that extra level Barzal took against the Rangers, which we've seen at times during the year, but, you know, he still could play that level more often. I think he comes back with a great performance against the Rangers. I think that either he's going to score or create for his team. That's what he does when he does best. And when he's on his game, the Islanders play well. And, Brendan, I know you just said you don't know who's starting in goal, but you're behind the bench. You're making the call. Who are you going with? Shostarkin. No, You see how there's no hesitation there? That's how it should be. He, the guy's won his last three starts. The guy came into the league last year and went 10-2. And if he didn't break his ribs, they probably would have been a playoff team before the bubble even had to come. Yeah. Ride him, please. The saves that he made, he stopped. He stopped Ovechkin point blank. 50 seconds into the game. 
He made an absolute crazy redirect save. Uh, the guy stands on his head at times. And sure, he let in a couple of questionable goals to start the season. And when they won against Pitt, the only goal that Pittsburgh scored, he kind of chased the puck to the sidewall and then couldn't get back. Live with those mistakes. This is his what it, he's played, what, not even 20 games in this league? Yeah. He's allowed to make some mistakes. He's the best option you have in goal. They play better in front of him than they do in front of Georgiev. Please play him. Please. <laughs> I read him, Brennan. Brennan sending out the prayers to uh, Quinn. Hopefully the telepathy works there. But uh, for me, as much as I would like to see Sorokin get another crack at the Rangers, because I want to throw that game out. Just just mentally, he wasn't ready. The team didn't play well in front of me. He looked looked like a guy playing in his first NHL yeah. uh, NHL crease. So, but you got to go with Varlamov. Like I said, the Islanders were on a five game skid. You trust in your veteran to get him out of that skid to start a winning streak here. The Islanders desperately need to win three of their next four, two of their next three. And I think the way Varlamov played. I didn't think of one goal that went in yesterday that was a softy, which is what we saw in the game against the Caps. He denied so many point blank. Like you said, Shesterkin made a huge save on Ovechkin point blank. Last night, Crosby got a puck and went tried to go around Varlamov, but big pad save. And the whole entire night, whether it was in the first, second, or third period, Varlamov made big-time saves to keep his team in it and then ultimately getting the win, and he deserves the start tonight. Before we end the show, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention Keandre Miller. How good he's been. But Pierre-Olivier Joseph. Oh, my God. He looks so good against the Rangers so far this season. And what a snipe. Yeah, you're going to say it. I mean, yeah, that is that is some shot. And what's crazy is I, I, I think my math's right. I was writing an article about, before the game on Saturday. And the Penguins had nine or ten players out. And eight or nine of them were defensemen. This is a guy that was – Traded for in the Kessel trade to Arizona. And he's a top prospect, but by no means were they expecting to make a jump. And now he's playing, I think, he played northwards of 20-something minutes the other day. I mean, this is one of the go-to defenders now. Yeah, and you see that shot? You know what that shot reminded me of? Reminded me of the Tony D'Angelo shot when he came out of the penalty box against the Islanders. Just that quick release. He's like the next Chris Letang at this point. Well, they they said he was one of their top prospects. They wanted him to get AHL time. They weren't expecting him to get rushed into the NHL. But, I mean, listen, him and Miller are running with their opportunities. And you talk about a league that is kind of like craving diversity right now. You have potentially two number one defensemen on their teams of the future right now. Yeah. And it's awesome to see. Keandre Miller is eating minutes like it's candy, just absolutely devouring them. This guy, Pierre Olivier Joseph, is doing the same thing. It's so cool to watch. I mean, look at it's crazy because you look at the Islanders and last year you would have said Noah Dobson is a cause for concern in the rink. You know, when he gets on the rink, brace yourselves because something is going to happen. It's probably not going to be a good thing, but this is a guy this year that have just, he's just taken his opportunity and run with it. Dobson's eating minutes. He now has six points in 10 games played. He's just, he just looks so confident. Every time he goes out there, you're talking about it. The young defensemen, all these teams are playing well, but, you know that Joseph's brother is the Matthew Joseph on the Lightning? Yeah. Yeah, they, they said that in the, the first time the Rangers yeah. and Penguins met. It kind of looks like he might be the better one. I mean, at the end of the day, though, you go sit down at the dinner table on Thanksgiving or whatever, and you got two kids in the NHL. Look at the Quinn Hughes and Jack. He's another one coming. I mean. It's got to be so cool. I've always thought that that's one of the coolest things. Like To me, the coolest thing in hockey history was the Sedin twins playing on a line together for as long as they did. Like, yeah. That's just so awesome. 
I mean, you see that, you see the Kachucks playing together. And, I, you know, it's one thing when you see two brothers that are superstars. I feel bad for the brothers who are like the Gretzky brothers. How do you sit down at the table and just go screw that and get up? Like, if I'm Wayne Gretzky's brother, you can't – I mean, it's you, you feel you love your brother, obviously. You did well, but there's a disparity in the skill set. You look, you look at, like, Eli Manning and Peyton Manning. That's like, okay, they both, they both won. But you sit down and your brother is – 30,000 times better than you, and you'll never, ever live up to that, no matter how good you play. That's My question, growing up, who'd you play against? Like, you should have been a little better, right, if you're playing against the greatest hockey player of all time in your backyard every single day. But, hey, I'll take that one NHL point. I, I don't mean, have any. You could also say that Wayne Gretzky's as good as he was because he played with you. So, I mean, there, there's things to be said. You could skew – just how you skew stats, you skew the storylines. It doesn't matter. Like – Henrik Lundqvist's brother, right? He played in the NHL for a little bit. No, nobody knows, right? I probably just t- taught a bunch of people that he had a brother. Well, his brother, by the way, is huge in Sweden. Yeah, huge, and he played a good chunk with the Dallas Stars. Yeah. Uh, he was he wasn't a big guy. He was in the same draft class as his brother. Obviously, they're twins, but he was taken in the third round in that draft, and Lundqvist was taken in the seventh. Henrik Lundqvist, that is. So. Whoever was scouting that kind of botched that one up. And I know the Rangers have a history of taking these late round, you know, goalies and they pan out. But how do you look at Joel Lundqvist and say third round and then his brother and say seventh? Well, goalies, you know how goalies work. They don't, you know, unless you're like the god among, I mean, Lundqvist was good, but he was playing, you know, overseas. He, He was a little older. So at the end of the day, I mean, took a gamble and it definitely paid off. Thanks so much, guys, for tuning in on this Islanders vs. Rangers talk. Puck drops tonight a little after 7 o'clock. Enjoy the game. The Back Check is your one-stop shop for NHL news and all things Rangers and Islanders. Thanks for sticking with us for this edition of The Back Check. Follow the show on social media at Back Check Pod.